Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And as this New York Giants disappointing 2023 season inches closer to the, its end, it's time to start looking ahead to the future. And a lot of Giants fans are looking ahead to the upcoming 2024 NFL Draft. They have their sights set on offensive linemen. Some of them have their sights set on a brand new quarterback. But how can you improve both of those positions at the same time? That's what we're going to discuss in today's episode. Can you draft a quarterback while having a bad offensive line and expect that player to develop into something good? Well, there are some examples that say, yes, you can. There are other examples that say, well, maybe it's better to fortify the offensive line first. We're kind of going to go back and forth and discuss how we think the Giants should go about the situation, what they can do to improve their offensive line, and also to improve that quarterback position. Because as many Giants fans have come to the conclusion the future probably doesn't rest on the shoulders of Daniel Jones. A struggle this season before his injury, and now with this injury, his future with this team is majorly in question. And again, a lot of Giants fans looking at those top quarterbacks in this draft class because it is a great draft class for quarterbacks are looking at those players and saying, I want one of them. I want that to be the future of my franchise. But can you make that player the future of your franchise without a good offensive line in front of him? That's the question we're going to dive into and discuss in today's episode. But before we dive into all that, make sure to like if you do enjoy this episode, subscribe to the channel. If you are new, ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what are your thoughts on how the Giants can kind of build this offensive line in the offseason while also finding their new quarterback of the future? Well, I'm doing pretty good. And look, there's a narrative going on right now that the Giants need to spend another first-round pick on an offensive lineman. That would be three offensive linemen selected in the first round in the last four years. Andrew Thomas, Evan Yellen, conceivably Joe Alts, people are suggesting to me online. Now, my friends, if you actually – and for what it's worth, Joe Alt is a left tackle. You're asking him to transition to right tackle. So the top guys in the draft are left tackles. You're asking them to change their position. You think it's that easy. It's not. Uh, we've seen this already with Evan Neal. Now, I'm going to suggest a couple things um, and why, you know, the idea of building the offensive line and drafting a new quarterback, one of them is not detrimental to the other. You know what I mean? Like, one of them doesn't destroy the other. You can draft a quarterback and build an offensive line at the same time. You have Andrew Thomas locked into a long-term deal. He's one of the best left tackles in the game. You got John Michael Schmitz, who struggled at his rookie year, but will get better as time goes on, I believe. And then you have Evan Neal, who's obviously failed to develop, and then you have two guards. I think Ben Bredesen's a fine left guard. He really is a struggling right guard right now, and then Justin Pugh needs to be replaced. Um, now, I'm going to suggest some names in a couple minutes here as we kind of dive deeper into how we can solve this thing, or at least improve it. Maybe not solve it, but average would be good enough to have a competent offense at this point in time. We just ranked dead last every single year. So, you know, we're going from dead last to average is a significant step forward. Um, now, essentially, what I want to discuss here is the idea that if you draft a quarterback, um, people are saying he is doomed to the same exact situation as Daniel Jones. You're dooming a young quarterback to a really bad scenario where he struggles and, you know, he can't keep going. But guys, let me let me present the idea of drafting a quarterback 
let's say it's Jaden Daniels because you know we are full Jaden Daniels season on this podcast. It, Anthony and I are fully in love with this player, um, especially me. You know, I won't speak on your behalf, Anthony. I know you like Drake May as well, um, but you know, for Jaden Daniels, I'm a Jaden Daniels freaking believer. I'm a truther. I freaking love this kid. We'll talk a lot more about him in the future, but uh, for now, I want to reference one thing that he does really well, and one thing that. You know, if you watch Lamar Jackson, for example, we were just talking about this before the episode started, how they maneuver in the pocket, you know, how they offer their offensive line chances to recover. Um, if you watch Lamar Jackson, go go watch him and go watch what he does when the, the pocket collapses. He moves into space and he allows his offensive linemen to recover. He buys them time to give him more time. And it really is a cohesive kind of element, a cohesive sequence that benefits everybody. The quarterback has a really big say in how good the offensive line is. I mean, look at Tom Brady, for example, back in the day when he was, you know, sometimes didn't have the best offensive line, but he demanded so much out of them. And he was like, you guys have to step up. Um, I mean, you saw that you've seen video of him screaming at his offensive line on the sideline. Sometimes that's what it takes, man. You got to put people in their place if they're struggling. You got to put people in their place to make them elevate their game. If you're a winner, you find ways to make everybody around you better. That's what Tom Brady did for literally a two, almost 15 years. Um, he made everybody around him better. You think he did that being quiet? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at a guy like Jaden Daniels, Lamar Jackson, they have one similar thing in common. They maneuver in the pocket really efficiently, and they buy themselves more time, and which in turn allows your receivers more time to get open. Coverages, it is really hard for a cornerback or a defensive back to stay locked onto a receiver for 10 seconds. You know, when you've got running around back there, how many times have you seen Kyler Murray do it? How many times have you seen J uh, Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen? They buy themselves time. They make plays happen. Um, you know, we haven't seen that much of, you know, those type of plays from Daniel Jones. And in fact, a lot of times he hesitates, he gets scared, his eyes drop, and then he gets sacked. Or he makes a bad decision, throws the ball below the sticks, and opposing safeties are biting on those routes, guys. If you watch it, you know, a lot of the interception that Daniel Jones throws, he his eyes drop. He tries to force a pass in there because he's under pressure. Um, and, 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 you know, or he takes a sack and those passes, those safeties are waiting. They're ready to break on those routes because the Giants can't afford to push players down fields because the offensive line is not good. Daniel Jones makes bad decisions and they just, you know, the, 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 the system, the scheme that has been laid out to beat Daniel Jones has now been around for a bit now and teams know how to do it. Teams know how to beat him up. And at this point coming off an ACL tear, I just don't see how there's a way we keep him. Now you'll ask, how do we improve the offensive line? And Anthony, I'll transition this over to you in a second. It's easy. You let Daniel Jones' contract expire with the out. You take the out after 2024, and you take the money that you spend, that you were going to spend on him, $20 million, and you say, okay, theoretically, this is guy math. You know, this is this is, <laughs> this is is my math that I'm doing in my head. You know, if you're, you're like girl, girl math and all this stuff on, online right now. This is, this is like my math. If you save $20 million from Daniel Jones taking it out on his contract, you can take that money and invest it in the offensive line, right? And you have a rookie contract at your quarterback position now. You have a new window, and you can take that money and invest it in the offensive line, and that's how you, that's how you reinforce the, the, the unit. On top of that, you have to invest heavily in getting the best offensive line coach you could possibly find. Because Bobby Johnson, unfortunately, is not the answer. There's a lot. There's a couple other guys out there that have really, really great proven track records. But you know, what are your thoughts on that? Investing big money into a better coach? Because I think that if you're gonna, if we're ever gonna see the best of Evan Neal, if we're ever gonna see the best of John Michael Schmitz, if we're ever gonna see the best of any draft prospect that we do get to reinforce this unit, it's gonna come down to paying a really great coach to do a really great job. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily comes down to money on the offensive line coach, in my opinion, because it's it's never been a question of money for John Mara and his coaching staffs. So this is a guy who is not afraid to fire head coaches and rehire a new head coach. You still have to pay the old head coach. I think the Giants are paying three head coaches right now, technically, because of all the coaches that they fired. So it's never a question of money with John Mara. And I know he receives a lot of criticism for many of those hirings and firings that he's made. And John Mara deserves plenty of criticism. I've been very critical of him in the past and will continue to be in the future. Uh, But with John Mara, one thing that you can't criticize him for, the guy has no shortage of money in his pockets when it comes to building this football team and trying his best to make this team the best that it can be. Like, he doesn't care what expense it is, how much money he has to spend. He goes out there and he spends it. And even to his credit, he lets GM spend however much money they want. There are NFL owners around the league that don't allow their GMs, don't allow their head coaches to do these sorts of things because they can't afford to or they don't want to hand the money over to let that happen. But with John Mayer, again, you got to give him credit because he's paying head coaches every year, paying multiple head coaches and coaching staffs. They're on his payroll, and that's A-OK with him because he thinks it's the the avenue to putting the best product on the football field so I don't think it's a question of money for this uh, offensive line coach the money's there John Mara will pay it the coaching staff will pay it I'm sure whatever the budget is there's room in the budget for it if not they will make room so for me it's not a question of money for the offensive line coach it's about finding the offensive line coach that's been the problem for the New York Giants and honestly you could say it's been a little bit of a problem for Brian Dable He does that community hiring thing. He doesn't look at just his connections, didn't just go over to Buffalo to pluck coaching coordinators and assistants from there and bring on to his staff. He really looked around the NFL, found a lot of up-and-coming names, also finding some proven and established names, up-and-coming being Kafka, established being Martindale. He found some guys, and he just built the best coaching staff that he possibly could have. However, the one community, or not community, the one like connection hiring that he made that didn't pan out was Bobby Johnson. That's a guy who came over from Buffalo to help the New York Giants, and that's where he missed. He didn't get every single hiring right. We know that. He retained Thomas McGahee, special teams coordinator. That was a mistake. So Brian Dable made some mistakes in this coaching staff hiring process. But now as he's gone through two seasons as the head coach of the Giants, he can reevaluate, say who stays, say who goes. And yes, Bobby Johnson is one of those guys. He goes. He has not lived up to expectations. He has not allowed this offensive line, this unit to develop. These young players have not gotten better. In fact, a lot of them have gotten worse since they entered the NFL or entered the New York Giants system. So what I will say is I think that Brian Dable is going to go into this offseason, reevaluate that O-line assistant coach position, and find someone new for the job. But again, it's not for me. The key is not hiring the most established guy and giving him the most money so he can't say no and Godfather him at the table. It's really about finding talent from a coaching perspective. We talk a lot about the GM finding talent to develop uh, in terms of player personnel. This is going to be about Brian Dable finding a coaching talent that he can develop into being a really good offensive line coach or maybe finding someone who is established, but it really is just about seeking the best talent on the offensive line. So again, not, not really just about paying the best guy there for the job, finding the guy who fits your system, fits your culture well, and can really develop your offensive linemen, seeking that talent, scouting that talent out, and getting the best best offensive line coach for the job. That should be priority number one for Brian Dable. He's going to go through a list of things. He's going to go through. That should be priority number one. Priority number two is figuring out the quarterback situation. I think that once you get that offensive line coach in there, you can assume that your offensive line is at least going to improve this upcoming season. 
Will it be perfect? Absolutely not. It never is. No offensive line in the league is. So you're probably going to find that new O-line coach, figure out what you're doing with the quarterback position, then circle back to how you're going to improve that offensive line for that new coach. But again, that segues us into priority number two, which will be figuring out the quarterback position. As you mentioned, Alex, there are things that you could do with Daniel Jones's contract down the road that will open things up in the future for the Giants to build this offensive line. I've pitched a few ideas for offensive linemen um, that the Giants could sign on this show. Robert Hunt from the Miami Dolphins, a great offensive guard that I think would be a plug-and-play starter for the Giants. Would, Would he come cheap? Absolutely not. You're probably talking $18 million per season, but that's money well spent when you're getting one of the best offensive guards in the NFL for a team that just can't figure out their offensive line issues. Jonah Williams, a less expensive option that I've mentioned for right tackle, and I think my I'm going to be a proponent for moving Evan Neal into left guard where he played freshman year at Alabama. But again, digressing off of the offensive line, moving over to the quarterback position. Now, I want to talk about some of these top quarterbacks in the draft class because there's some great talent there, and I think that Jaden Daniels, as you mentioned, Alex, you're in full bloom love with him. You love Jaden Daniels. You think he brings a lot to the table. I do too. I think that he's made a strong case for being at least QB3 in this class, and he could sneak up to QB2 at some point. But Jaden Daniels versus offensive lineman in the draft, right? Or quarterback versus offensive lineman in the draft. I'm going to harken back to 2020 NFL draft. The Cincinnati Bengals held the first overall pick in the draft. They were going with Joe Burrow no matter no matter what, and they took Joe Burrow. But the question was, what do they do with the fourth overall pick in the draft there was that meme that floated around on nfl twitter and nfl social media where everyone was putting joe burrow there penne sewell and any receiver and that's the the formula to winning football games and then there was the other meme that said joe burrow bad offensive lineman jamar chase and the ball was falling incomplete because joe burrow was getting hit the, Gi- or the the Bengals did not go with the Penny Sewell equation. They went with the Jamar Chase equation, and it took them to a Super Bowl. Did they win the Super Bowl? No, they lost to the Los Angeles Rams, but they didn't take the offensive lineman. They took the playmaker, and they took Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow made that offensive line and not so bad because he's really good at navigating pressure and good at extending plays and good at getting the ball to his playmakers. So drafting Joe Burrow and drafting Jamar Chase, that was the equation that sent the Cincinnati Bengals to a Super Bowl investing in the offensive line yes you have to do it it's super important but I agree with you Alex the Giants have already invested enough in these young rookie offensive linemen who don't pan out immediately in year one and make that impact it takes them time so I will say I think that it is time for the Giants to go ahead quarterback playmaker offensive line rather than just continuing to throw first round picks into the offensive line and hoping that you just land an Andrew Thomas every single year and for what it's worth Andrew Thomas was not Andrew Thomas in his rookie season this offensive line will not be significantly upgraded by drafting a first round rookie in 2024 it takes time for offensive linemen to develop into being the players that they're capable of being Andrew Thomas is a perfect example of that so Thinking back on that Joe Burrow situation, the Bengals did the right thing, taking the quarterback, taking the receiver, and figuring the offensive line out later because really good quarterbacks navigate bad pockets, make the offensive line play better around them. And I know that's something you want to talk about, Alex. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you wanted to discuss kind of how certain quarterbacks, they take pressure and they take it on the chin and they don't take sacks and they maneuver the pocket really well. So who are you looking at? I know Jaden Daniels is part of that equation, but really what are your thoughts on that? The fact that certain quarterbacks make bad offensive lines look a lot better than they really are I mean we know this to be true um, however a good offensive line doesn't hurt and you know the, the goal here is to find that balance um, I'm going to flow out something that I think will go a long way towards helping this team transition to a new quarterback so you know you mentioned Robert Hunt you mentioned a couple really good Jonah Williams 
I'm going to throw out a name that's going to be a lot cheaper and a lot more of a, a short-term thing, and I've said this name before in Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler is still a phenomenal guard, like fantastic. He's having a tremendous, if not elite, year for the Baltimore Ravens. 18 pressures in almost 1,000 offensive snaps this season, guys. All of them at right guard. We desperately need a right guard. Now, he's 33 years old. If you gave him a three-year deal with an out after the second season, you get two years of above-average offensive guard play, and you can move on after that, and he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg because he's older. Like this is, this is the type of value signing you can get right now. We know what he is. He's played in New York, and he was very solid in New York. One of the worst things that Dave Gettleman ever did was let this guy go. Um, and, and that's ultimately where we sit now and asking ourselves, okay, that contract, by the way, that Kevin Zeitler has – it would look like a freaking steal right now. Like the, the actual market value, he is so above his market value. Um, but the fact that he's older now actually helps us benefit from that significantly. So if I'm the Giants, this is what I'm thinking. This upcoming offseason, the wide receiver class is rather thin. You know, you're looking at Michael Pittman, good player. Is he going to be a WR1? You know, we don't really know. We don't really know what he's going to be just yet. Um, obviously, the Colts haven't managed to maximize his talent over the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see how they operate. But the 2025 wide receiver uh, free agency class, that's where I start to look at and say, okay, you know what? Maybe maybe we should wait for that. You know, maybe the Giants decide we'll keep Saquon. We will, you know, hang on with Jalen Hyatt, Juan Dale. We'll, maybe we'll draft the guy in the second round. Anthony, you're going to be doing a ton of draft prospect evaluations. And the, and the wide receivers this year are absolutely insane. Um, such a deep class. You, you draft the guy to develop. You find a new offensive line coach. You throw some money on the offensive line. You use another mid-round pick. We have two second-round picks this year, by the way. We can use one of those on an offensive guard to develop, and we can sign. Like, think about it. You have an, uh, you have an offensive guard who's a rookie or an OT that can compete with Evan Neal, and then you have a, a veteran like Kevin Zeitler. Now you have an offensive line that looks something like this. Andrew Thomas, let's assume a, le uh, a rookie at left guard, if not Evan Neal, John Michael Schmitz, Kevin Zeitler, and at right tackle, you figure it out. Like, you, you sign a veteran, or you you just have Evan Neal there, and you get a better coach that can help him get better, and you hope that he blossoms. Maybe you bring in someone to compete with him, like a George Fant, a little bit of a cheaper option, like an average-level player. Um, and then... Now you have a decent offensive line. You have an okay offensive line. You can survive with that. Um, and you have a couple playmakers. And now, because look, if you draft Jaden Daniels, let's be honest here, you're not going to win a Super Bowl next season. You're rebuilding now. Like you are, you have a rookie quarterback in a situation where, you know, you're really looking for the, you're looking to the future. You're hoping to develop him into a really good player. Now, 2025 rolls around. That money opens up from Daniel Jones' contract because you took the out in the deal. And you want to know, Anthony, who's a free agent in 2025 at the wide receiver class? Let me just list off a couple players. Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy. I mean, how many more guys do I need to say? Keenan I mean, Keenan Allen's old as hell now, but Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, you know, Deontay Johnson, underrated player. Uh, I mean, I'm going to throw in Hunter Renfro, but who really cares about Hunter Renfro? Um, there's a couple, Nico Collins, like... There are some really, really good players. Amon Ross St. Brown. That 2020, of course, a lot of them are going to get extended, but let's assume one or two of them hit the free agent market and the Giants have $60 million to spend. And they have a rookie quarterback like Jaden Daniels, a good offensive line, and a good defense locked down by Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, and Deontay Banks. And you know, you still have Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden. Maybe McKinney signs a deal. You have a really good foundation now, and you can go out and spend that big money on a WR1 like a Justin Jefferson, and you have a quarterback like Jaden Daniels there and a good offensive line. 
I mean, what are we talking about, guys? You get the damn quarterback. Because if you keep Daniel Jones and you're paying him 50 freaking million dollars, you can kiss any chance at a wide receiver one of that caliber goodbye. Goodbye. Because the deals for Andrew Thomas are going to kick in. Dexter Lawrence is going to kick in. We're going to have no money. We have to take the out in Daniel Jones' contract if we want any hope of landing an established WR1 in this league with the Giants. Because it's easier said than done to just draft the player and make him elite. We're going to try our best. That's why I'm suggesting we use a second-round pick on one. But the truth is simple. We don't know what those players are going to be. You never know. And they could get hurt. They could not live up to the expectations. But these true and tried guys, Brandon Ayuk, I know you saw that clip of him the other day running 60 yards downfield to block for, for Christian McCaffrey. Those are the, the teach tape plays that you show um, to your team, to you show to rookies, you show to everybody. Like, this is what WR1s do. This is what guys that want to win do. They put in that extra effort. Those guys, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, we're talking about elite-level talent here, my friends. In 2025, we get Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or Drake May, bolster your offensive line, and you wait for that draft class, and you get the, you spend whatever it takes and do whatever it takes to convince them to join the New York Football Giants. That's my overall three-year plan here, um, and it involves rebolstering the offensive line, getting a better quarterback, and getting your WR1, and an established commodity at that. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, knowing now knowing the, the names that will be available in 2025, barring, um, you know, free agency extensions with their current teams, you know, how do you feel about the idea of waiting that one year and then going all in on one of those top guys? I mean, I don't really like to put stock in the future free agents, even 2024 free agents at the wide receiver position, 2025. Those guys often get franchise tagged. They often get extended. It's really tough to bank on anybody hitting the open market. But just to kind of further the point, you take the quarterback, you get him established, and then you build around him, right? That's what you always do. You get that talent in the door, and then you expand. And if Giants fans don't like that logic, then you don't like winning Super Bowls 2008 and 2000. You don't like Super Bowl 42. You don't like Super Bowl 46 because that's what the Giants did with Eli Manning. They didn't have a good offensive line when they drafted him. They had Eli Manning, though, and he struggled a lot in his first couple seasons. But then they started building that offensive line around him, and it got better, and Eli got better. Then they started adding wide receiver talent. They gave him Plaxico Burris. Then they went and won a Super Bowl because Eli Manning had a better offensive line, had Plaxico Burris, and a bounty of other playmakers in the backfield and on the receiving end. And then they continued to do that. The offensive line deteriorated, got worse, but Eli Manning had already developed into a good quarterback by that point. So they gave him more playmakers, Mario Manningham, Hakeem Nix, Victor Cruz, and that trio plus Eli Manning plus a great backfield that they had seasons prior led them to another Super Bowl victory. And they continued to build around Eli Manning, gave him OBJ, and he went on to have another win in his career where he was throwing a bunch of touchdowns and making a bunch of plays and leading the team back to the playoffs all the way in 2016, despite having another bad offensive line. So you can win Super Bowls with poor offensive line play. Giants fans should know that because of Super Bowl 46. The key here is not building the offensive line and then plugging the quarterback in. It's plugging the quarterback in and then properly building around him. That's what you see good teams do. Good front offices do. Now, are there, of course, exceptions to that rule? Did Patrick Mahomes step into a perfect situation? Yes, but if you're telling me you don't think Patrick Mahomes could have found success in the NFL in another situation, you're crazy because he's maybe the most talented quarterback that's ever played in this league from a pure talent standpoint. So the the real formula here for NFL teams 
is to draft the quarterback, get your franchise quarterback in place, and then build around him. The problem isn't the fact that the Giants drafted Daniel Jones while having a bad offensive line. It, the problem is that they drafted Daniel Jones and failed to build around him. They didn't fix the offensive line going forward. A lot of terrible signings from Dave Gettleman. I mean, for God's sakes, guys, back way, way, way back when, we were talking about Patrick Omame being one of the solutions for the offensive line. He was cut four weeks into the season and never played again in the NFL. That's how bad Dave Gettleman was at building around Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, yeah, he did not have the career that we wanted him to have. The Giants, in many ways, failed him just as much as he failed them. You have to be real about it and be unbiased and look at it from both perspectives. So when you're looking at how to build an NFL team, it always starts with the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback right, you have nothing right. So it's not about fixing the offensive line first and then drafting a quarterback in 2026 just because you want another Manning at the helm and waiting for Arch years from now. That's not how it goes. You draft the quarterback when the quarterback becomes a need. You get the right guy in the building at that position, and then you build around him. And other NFL teams understand that. The New York Jets just did it. They brought in, uh, of course, Aaron Rodgers, and they just brought in a bunch of guys that Aaron Rodgers wanted. Now, of course, we didn't get to see that come to fruition because Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week one, but they understand that's how you do it. You get the quarterback, and then you build around the quarterback. So, just furthering the point that you mentioned, Alex, and finding receiving talent, finding playmakers to plug in there, you don't do that first and then find the quarterback. You build from the quarterback outward and you give him the best situation that he possibly can have. And again, I think Eli Manning really is the best example of that for Giants fans in particular, especially if you've been around and watching this team for a long, long time, multiple decades, you'll know that Eli Manning was not drafted into a good situation. And for what it's worth, they didn't have a ton of draft capital to build around him either because they traded so much draft capital just to get him. And that could be built into another argument about trading for the quarterback that you want in this draft. Giants fans will say, no, I don't want to give up all those draft picks. I I don't want to move up to get the quarterback that we want because then how are we ever going to build around him? Guys, Eli Manning was the first overall pick to the Los Angeles Chargers, San Diego Chargers at the time. He was not drafted by the New York Giants. The Giants gave up a boatload of picks just to bring Eli Manning to the Big Apple. And then they still found the way to build around him despite having a very bad roster. And that is why the New York Giants are the four-time world champions, not the two-time world champions. So everybody arguing that you draft the offensive lineman, then you draft the quarterback, you're wrong. And the New York Giants have proved that. They proved that with Eli Manning trading for Eli Manning. They didn't even draft him. They traded a ton of picks to get Eli Manning and then they built around him and they won Super Bowls. So that's how you do it. So I think that's my my final argument, my closing argument for this whole topic of debate here that I want to get to. I mean, I talked about the Joe Burrow situation. I think that rings true as well. No, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, but he did make it to a Super Bowl and it's because the, Gi the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, then built around him. The Giants did the same thing with Eli Manning all the way back in 2004, drafted him into a bad situation, built around him, got him some key pieces, a really good defense to play with him, and they won two Super Bowls because of it. So Alex, those are my closing arguments on this topic. That's where I'm going to leave it. Curious to hear any of your thoughts that you have on that situation, kind of comparing you know, the situation that Eli Manning walked into, Joe Burrow, and really just the idea of you find that quarterback, you build around him. Some teams don't do it right. You know, some teams fail. It doesn't always work out. And then you have to reboot the rookie window, get a new quarterback, start over. That's what the Giants are experiencing right now. I think it's been a long time, so Giants fans don't know what that feels like because it didn't happen with Eli. They drafted him and they built around him properly. They had a 15-year NFL career with Eli Manning. They failed this time with Daniel Jones. It's time to start again. I think a lot of Giants fans don't understand that it's not about building the team around them. It's about building the quarterback and then building the team around them. So kind of what are your thoughts on my final closing remarks here in this argument? 
Well, you know, I- I'll say this. One way or another, we're going to come to the conclusion that we need to move on from Daniel Jones. It's just a matter of are we going to wait another year or are we going to make the proactive move to do it sooner rather than later in terms of just replacing the quarterback position? Because think about it like realistically. We just signed Dexter Lawrence to a big-time deal. Andrew Thomas to a big-time deal. Xavier McKinney could be getting a big deal. Daniel Jones just got a major deal. If you keep Daniel Jones and that cap hit raises to $50 million, we are going to have no money. So what does that actually mean? You know, what, what, what are the implications? What are the consequences of having no money? The consequences of that are that you have to hit on your draft picks, right? You cannot afford to have draft picks bust. Evan Neal can't afford to have that. You can't afford to draft a, a wide receiver top and him not pan out. Every single one of your top draft picks has to become a star um, if you have no money. If you move on from Daniel Jones, you now have the luxury of spending money on top of actually having draft uh, draft capital that you can develop players. So, and then that rookie window that Daniel, that Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever, whatever quarterback you guys want, that rookie window that you have now is game changing, like actually game changing. Like, uh, for example, in 2026, if Jaden Daniels is drafted this year, I'm just going to keep using him because that's my guy. You know, 2024, 2025, 2026, those are the years you're going to be paying Daniel Jones a little bit of money. You could take the whole $22 million in dead money in 2025, or you could spread it out $11 million in two years, um, you know, 25 and 26. So 2027 comes around. Jaden Daniels has been in the league for three years. He's going into his fourth season. You now have two years with Jaden Daniels making like, 15 mil, maybe less than that. I don't exactly know the, the, the financial allocations of a quarterback in their fourth year. But let's say it's around $15 million instead of 56. Think about the opportunities that that present you. If you are missing a cornerback, if you're missing a linebacker or a star pass rusher, or you're missing this, or you want to use your first round pick next year to go and acquire a big money player that's in the, in the middle of a big contract that's just elite and it's the last piece of the puzzle that you need. Think about all the options it opens you right now. With Daniel Jones' contract in tow, we are severely limited to what we can do in the future. Our flexibility to sign players is compromised. Our ability to trade draft picks is compromised for big contracts. Our ability to bring in players is compromised from a financial standpoint. That is what his contract does. All the while, knowing that Daniel Jones is probably never going to be a great quarterback, right? We have four years, if not five years now, of proof of that. And on top of it, he is one big injury from never playing football again. He is one neck injury away from never playing football again. He is a running quarterback, guys. He cannot make a living without his legs. That is half of his production last year. We were convinced last year to give him a big money contract because he ran for over 700 yards and had multiple rushing touchdowns. If you eliminate those... There's no way we sign him to a long-term deal. So he's going to have to take hits. And if he takes one bad hit, if he takes one bad blindside hit from a from a, a missed block or whatever it might be, he's done. You know what I mean? And, and I know uh, a couple of reporters were just talking about the implications. If he uh, gets injured next year and has another season-ending injury, we actually owe him more money. You know what I mean? We're actually – we can't afford to let him play because if we get trapped with more dead money, with more guarantees because he gets hurt again – the implications it's going to have on this team are drastic, are, are, are crushing. We're going to be in this position for the next four years, guys. You have to understand, we have no choice. Brian Dable, Joe Shane, their backs are up against the wall. They know that this contract, they, the out was built in this contract for this reason. You know what I mean? Like, that's why the out was after the second season, for this reason exactly, so that we could reset if need be. And now is the need be. We're in that time. If you want to stick with Daniel Jones and run the gauntlet and risk it all, 
please leave me out of the equation. I am not going to be there for it. I will cover this team. I will talk about this team, but I'm going to be sitting here wondering why the hell we did this to ourselves because that is what is going to happen. We've seen it for the last five years, the injuries, the inconsistencies. He can't manage with the offensive line. He can't throw the ball downfield. His downfield accuracy saw the biggest swing in the bad, worst way possible this year. I, I, we cannot trust him. He's inconsistent. And, and look, you can't win with inconsistent players in the NFL. If he, Look, and you, people will imagine, we saw what he could do in the second half against Arizona. You can't reference a half a game as the end-all, be-all of a player's upside. You need to see seven weeks of consistent football. You need to see a season of consistent football that include no injuries. Last year, we saw a semblance of it, but it was one year out of five seasons. It's not enough. It's not enough to me, not enough for most people. Um, and that's what I have to say. And if it comes down, if you're wondering right now, and you came into this episode wondering, how are we going to solve the offensive line? Well, you can do that and draft the quarterback with the reasons we laid out. You can spend money. You can actually make more money by letting Daniel Jones go and taking that, that cash allocation, that $20 million, if not more, and spend it on Kevin Zeitler, spend it on Robert Hunt, spend it on Jonah Williams, spend it on somebody who's going to help improve this line and spend some of that money. Obviously, this is not you know salary cap implications, but spend some money on going out and getting a great coach. You know, And, and John Mara's never been against that. He, Like you said earlier, he is one of the highest spending owners when it comes to investing in coaching talent. Now is the time to go out and invest heavily in the offensive line coach, draft some mid-round guys, if not a second, use a second-round pick, draft a quarterback who's going to who's going to be better behind a bad offensive line or at least a developing one, and go from there. You know, spend throw some money at the position. We've been drafting players for too long, right? All most of our offensive line are are, are guys on rookie contracts right now. You know what I mean? Or really low veteran minimum guys. Justin Pugh's veteran minimum. You know, Thomas going into um, his big contract as a guy we drafted. Evan Neal, rookie contract. John Michael Smith's rookie contract. Josh Zudu, rookie contract. We need to throw some fucking money there. Sorry for my language, but that's the truth. We need to throw some freaking money there. It's pissing me off that we haven't. And then we've been taking this really, really cost-efficient approach. But mainly is because we had no freaking money because Dave Gettleman strapped us to a rocket to the freaking sun. Now we're finally on. Un we've unstrapped the freaking financial limitations, and we can go out and spend a little bit of money on the offensive line. And you better freaking know it. Joe Shane is going to spend money there. He has no choice. We know they're going to. If we've seen it, we know they've seen it. So that's my final take. Really emotional about this because I'm tired of watching shitty Giants football, and I really just want to see us have a competent offense that can move the football downfield at at least an average pace. Man, you got passionate there for sure. I think I'm going to have to clip that one soundbite right there about throw some money at it. That was pretty awesome. I'm going to start using that on social media. I'm going to respond to things. I'm going to say throw some freaking money at it. Um, that was fun. And listen, we're on the same page here. I'm sure that many of the listeners are as well. They agree. You know, you find that quarterback, you build around him. But I really just can't re-emphasize uh, that point enough that – you look around the NFL, and that's how the teams have done it, and it doesn't always work. And I'll recognize in this whole conversation, there's a chance that the Giants drafted Jaden Daniels, and he gets injured because he's a running quarterback, like you mentioned with Daniel Jones. And Jaden Daniels isn't the solution, and the Giants have to reboot this rookie window again in three years. That's possible, but you take the chance, in my opinion. I, I understand that some Giants fans don't want to have to do it all over again, don't want to reboot in two years from now, three years from now, don't want to admit that the team was wrong and they have to go through through this whole process all over again but that's how it's done guys like that's how NFL teams you kind of just play craps right you, you keep taking chances at the 
quarterback position until one hits. Did the Giants just always have a franchise quarterback after Phil Simms? No, they kept rebooting the rookie window until eventually in the 2000s, they found themselves Eli Manning via trade. So for the New York Giants, if they're trying to go ahead, move forward here, find that rookie quarterback to build around for the next several seasons, you got to take the chance when you have a good opportunity to, and you don't know when you're going to be picking high. Don't know when you're going to have this quarterback need again. The Giants have this need. They got to reset the rookie window, in my opinion, build around the quarterback, and hopefully do it right this time again. They didn't do it right with Daniel Jones. Hopefully they do it right this time. If they don't, they do it all over again. I know that's not the reality that Giants fans want to sit in, so they want this team to just be perfect and then have a rookie quarterback step into the easiest situation possible. But even then, think about it this way. If you had this perfectly built team, all of these guys on rookie contracts is growing, developing, and then getting paid, and then you put the quarterback in there, that whole team that you just built around lasts one, two seasons, and then all those contracts expire and you can't afford those guys anymore. So then the team crumbles around the quarterback and he starts falling apart or regressing or not uh, progressing after his third season. Think about it, guys. That's not how you want to do it. You want to get the quarterback in there, build around them, pay the quarterback, keep building around him. But hopefully he's good enough to that point where you don't even have to build around them much more. So I, I think that's just the way you do it. And if you look around the NFL, that's how most teams have done it. You're not always going to find a guy that steps into a Philadelphia Eagles or a Kansas City Chiefs situation. Oftentimes, you got to draft your quarterback and build that situation around them, which is what you see more often than not. Cincinnati Bengals being an example in this NFL. Uh, Baltimore Ravens being an example. They're going to the playoffs every year because they build around Lamar Jackson. I mean, they totally tore that team apart. It, it was built for Joe Flacco, for God's sakes. Could you find two quarterbacks that are any bit different? They got rid of their whole, whole coaching staff just to go ahead and get a coaching staff that matched is Lamar Jackson, not their whole coaching staff, of course, their offensive coaching staff, head coaches remain the same forever in Baltimore, but they got a new offensive coordinator, built everything, all the playmakers around Lamar Jackson, and they find year in and year out success on the offensive side of the ball because of that. That's how you do it, guys. You find the quarterback, you build around them, Josh Allen being another example. We can go on and on about how you find the QB and then build around them, but of course, we're going to continue to discuss this as we inch closer to draft season. We're getting close to the end of this upcoming uh, or of this current 2020 NFL season so then it's going to be playoffs time Giants probably not going to be participating in the playoffs so we'll be talking about what's next for the coaching staff what's next for free agency and then again what's next at the quarterback position and upcoming 2024 NFL draft and I can't wait to dive into all this stuff with you guys right here on Fireside Giants so make sure to like if you did enjoy this episode subscribe to the channel if you are new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section if you're listening on Apple or Spotify please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we'll catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.